Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Hi, everybody. I hope you're all having a great week. This week, I really want to talk to you about ways that we can escape Alzheimer's when it's an unbearable situation. Um, You know, this past week, I I did a show about survival, but I want to kind of shift gears just a little bit and, and, and just dig a little bit deeper about you know, unbearable situations that are not survival instincts um, oriented, okay? And it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, more about kind of intimacy and, and what do we do through, you know, the, the emotional and intellectual issues that we deal with when, we're, when we are living with Alzheimer's in some way, shape, or form, and probably other dementias as well. So I think that sometimes it feels as if the person could not find a way out of a personal relationship that was very toxic to them, okay? And because their way of thinking about the situation, these individuals could not shift the dynamics into something different. The The problem could be either in the way they handled the circumstances or their inability to remove themselves completely as a way of honoring their own needs or desires, meaning, you know, this is kind of the, the path they're on and, and this is where they're going to they're gonna stay. And I don't know, you know, so much respect we have for intimacy within a relationship that only two people experience, we can't guess. We can't, we can't navigate it. We can't figure it out for them, right? And because, you know, like I myself haven't been present in that person's life prior to the dementia diagnosis, um, I've noticed reoccurring themes as families describe the type of patterns their loved ones exhibited in their primary relationships And they may, for example, describe a kind of personal sacrifice um, or subjugation of the person's desires and and passions. And some family members make statements like, I wish my parents would have divorced or I wish my mom would have sought another, you know, another professional for help for her mental illness But instead, my father dealt with the brunt of this his whole life. These kind of things happen all the time. They happen all the time. And and it's kind of like a deadening quality to live with something that feels like a distortion that is never openly acknowledged, like living with like an elephant that you don't acknowledge in the living room year after year after year, right? And in those situations, responsibility is never redistributed. The The person that knows the truth may rise up in small efforts, but 
it never fundamentally changes the dynamics. And then the person that has a diagnosis often becomes a smaller and smaller voice in the equation. I see this all the time. I see, you know, people that that cannot speak up for themselves that that are in a in a dynamic that just doesn't feel comfortable to them but they can't really get out of it, right? And it, it's tough. It, it is because we know that up to, you know, 20 years before we see any outward signs of the disease. We know that depression can be a risk factor for people with Alzheimer's. And sometimes they get stuck in that mode anyway. They get stuck from the very beginning of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you know, Lewy body, whatever it is. And and they start feeling that many years before other people can see the diagnosis. So by the time they've gotten to the place where they're mid-stage or they're late stage in the diagnosis, they've already dealt with the depression and know that they're not going to move on to something better or different. The best they can hope for is that they get somebody to help care for them and um, that they can live somewhat of a happy life. And and these are in the, in the difficult... <sighs> These are in the difficult situations oftentimes with spouses. That's kind of what I'm talking about. And if that person's been struggling for years with an underlying depression, this will increase their vulnerability in a huge way. And sometimes relationships can create kind of a festering, what I would call toxic, toxic, I can't say the word, toxicity. That's <laughs> Say that three times fast, right, friends? <laughs> Which will contribute to that person feeling even more vulnerable. And it's, you know, it's sad, but it happens. It happens. And, you know, I, I just want to be clear that I have worked with many, many elders and people with memory loss who are in strongly committed primary relationships, spouses, okay? And for couples, their relationship has been a healthy challenge if they've been together for many, many years. I, I would say that's true of anybody, right? And their commitment to each other has helped get them through probably a lot of rough times. But looking back, they've had some sense of fulfillment, joy, maybe even pride in how long they've remained together. Um, and it was socially expected that if you married and you stayed committed to that relationship, you were a rock star, right? You weren't supposed to, you weren't supposed to get a divorce. But with divorce rates rising, um, we see more of our recent generations um, longing, you know, seriously to figure out how they can they can follow their elders down that path. We all have difficult issues to struggle with in our generation. It, absolutely. But this idea that you stand by your partner, you hang in there no matter what, can in some situations be very damaging to somebody's psyche. I mean, I'm just... just <clears throat> you know, I am nothing if I don't call it like I see it. If you've lived with that elephant in your living room, 
And couldn't you imagine at some point you would run screaming from the room? <laughs> I sure would. I absolutely would. And when the person is so committed that their rational side over the years um, has created inner conflicts and and has just resulted in their need to, like, vacate the premises, <laughs> we can't. We can't always do that. We can't always pack up and go and, you know, take off running out the door with our hair on fire because, you know, we have a physical need on a certain level and a spiritual need that may or may not be there. Um, but either way, you have to penetrate that thought process and try to shine through it, right? You have to, you have to, you have to become super vulnerable with that demented state of mind, you don't have any, you don't have any choice, really. I mean, it's, as your brain is deteriorating, you're seeing places that, that you can no longer go on your own. You can't, you know, just walk away from a relationship. In an era where commitment meant staying together no matter what, and folks did that, you know, and and they didn't readily go to a psychiatrist to get assistance or mental health assistance or, you know, any kind of help from a therapist in any way, shape or form. They find themselves sometimes in situations that just feel untenable. They just feel like you can't get up out under it. And that's a hard place to be. That is a really hard place to be. And, you know, oftentimes mental illness, depression, anxiety, things like that can strike the caregiver as strongly and as, as harshly as the disease strikes the person. And there's no doubt about it, right? There is no doubt about it. And when you have to use coping skills to try to create a normal situation, sometimes those pieces don't fall into place very easy, you know? And you don't even realize how far off the beaten track you are until you can't find joy in every day where you... You are just struggling from one bad situation to another and and feel like there's just no way out from under it. You know, it is, it is difficult um, when people suffer memory loss, when people suffer with balance issues, when people suffer with um, just the, the cognitive loss. Terrible, terrible, terrible. It's it's really it's really difficult sometimes to get back up out of that. Um, so what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, first of all, you have to want to do something about it, right? You have to. You you can't you can't sort of escalate the situation. You can't ex escalate the anxiety and then try to call somebody for help to calm the person down. 
And if you are sort of dominating the situation um, in as the elephant in that room, right, and you are constantly challenging other relationships and causing sort of triangulation between kids and, and parents and everything else, um, pushing people to take sides and then being upset at some visible offense somebody else did and then – and then in the height of the drama, you know, you kind of absolve yourself of any connection or reverting to, you know, sort of a more superior stance or tone with that person. You're going to find that all it does is make a mountain you can't get over. And you end up pushing that person away and and they maybe will strike back at you or they will... Um, just uh, decide to revert within themselves and and not want to come out and play, so to speak, you know. So, you know, it's difficult. It is difficult. Um, When I find a situation with an individual that is particularly challenging, I try to use a couple of different criteria to address it, okay, um, so that's that's where I'm going to try and find a, a happy moment in this, okay, and see what we can do, all right? So first of all, a problem is a solution that we haven't found yet, right? So put on your detective hat, ponder the situation, and ask yourself a couple of things if 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 issues are agitating you. And this could be for the person – with the diagnosis or it could be the caregiver. Either one. doesn't matter. Is it physical? Is it a pain, discomfort, or too much uh, vitality that doesn't match the situation, too much energy? What's going on here? What is the problem? Is it emotional? Is it a longing for something? Is it a loss that you've suffered? Is it not facing the grief of the situation? Is it your anger because um, you haven't been able to have sex with your partner for several years? Is it that you feel like a caregiver now and not so much a spouse anymore, a, a team? What is it? Sometimes I think more than anything, it's the emotional piece. I really do. Is it a recent feeling that was buried and now you pulled that that out, you know, you pulled that scorecard out uh, and maybe you've had a long-held and perhaps never expressed emotion, you know, and how can you help the person explore that emotion in a safe way? We as people have a tendency to keep a tally board of the things that people have done that make us angry, okay? Um, We don't mean to, but we do. You know, uh, you remember something that somebody did 20 years ago and it's still on your tally board, you know? In the real world, we call it a grudge. (laughs) And we like to bury those grudges. This is a great example. We like to bury those grudges and act like they don't exist, but they do. You pull them out when it works for you. And sometimes you will take it out on the person, even though it was something that happened many, many years ago. 
these kind of things happen all the time. So how can you sort of explore the subject of, oh, geez, um, you've known for years that I need my quiet space, and now I don't have any. Now I don't have any time at all. I spend all my time caring for you, and I don't have any time of my own. Believe it or not, people will say things like that to the person with the diagnosis. And how that feels is, you're done with me. I'm a pain in your ass. You don't want to be around me anymore, and that's why you want to go somewhere else even temporarily, just outside for a little while, um, and they feel like a burden. They feel like a burden. Sometimes we take on the martyr role like we can never leave because that person can't be safe in the house by themselves if you leave. Um, Sit them down to watch a movie, uh, give them something to paint or color, wait till they take a nap, whatever it is, you can find that that moment of respite. You can. You have to want it. You have to problem solve. You have to look for it. If you you don't want to, then you don't want to. So then don't do it. But don't complain about it either. Right? You have to figure out what you're willing to live with, what you're willing to not have, and then figure out, you know, is there a solution to the problem? Is there a way that you can can resolve this? Or do you want to just be stuck in the martyrdom? Nobody wins when somebody's a martyr. Nobody wins when somebody's a martyr. You don't You don't, you don't, you don't win. Because all it becomes is nagging. All it becomes is anger. All it becomes is toxic energy. And then where are you? Not a good place to be. So make a decision. Do you want to get up out of it? Do you want to find a solution or not? Okay. Here's another thing on the on the problem solutions that, that you know, the, the problem that needs a solution. Is it spiritual? Is it a crisis of your identity? Is it your unexpected potential for something you wanted to do the way you thought your life would go? Is it a sacrifice for you? Are you offering something in kind to that person? Are you offering something, um, you know, that you can barter with with that person to be able to go out and go for a walk by yourself and and maybe um, do something on your own? Uh, the person with the diagnosis, go make your own lunch, go get your own glass of water, whatever it is. Are we working these things out or are they just problems that you're not looking for a solution for? These are things you have to think about, okay? And is this person sort of a teacher role that we have to, you know, sort of wake up to? In other words, it's not about them. 
they're the shining light and and there's something we need to learn? Do you know what I mean by that? Like, uh, the, it kind of goes back to that martyr thing. You know, it's strange when people are are in that ever-changing role going from a spouse to a caregiver. It's, it's, um, it's a difficult transition and it is fraught with what was lost and anxiety and licking our wounds and wishing this would never have happened to us. And sometimes we look so hard to try to find that pot of gold at the rainbow that we miss the journey. We miss that that process that could have been important, that could have been wonderful. But, you know, we get this busy work of trying to look for something that that can change our trajectory when I'm telling you people, the only thing that's going to change the trajectory of any of these diseases is your own self-enlightenment. If you can learn more about the disease, if you can find the compassion and the the patience to, to help your person, they didn't want this disease. They didn't want this to happen. It wasn't something that they chose and they just decided, hey, wouldn't this be fun to get Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or whatever it is and make your life miserable? And can you even imagine for a day if you were the person in that situation and you had to be cared for and you're so worried that that person is going to just decide one day to act on those feelings of feeling like you're a burden and you know when i when i do the virtual reality piece of my classes i'm always amazed that that's where i have to begin because once i put a person in the position of having cognitive impairment i can teach them but if you've never experienced that if you've never experienced the confusion and the hopelessness when you can't even understand what somebody just said and then they get cross with you and you're trying to figure out what you need to do to make them not angry at you. Um, it's shocking that I've, I've had people that took off the, the gear that I had given them and um, wanted to walk out. And I, I, I followed this lady out one time at a at a class I did about four years ago, and I said, don't you think your husband would like to be able to take off the headphones and the the foggy glasses and all that kind of stuff and just say, I'm done. I don't want to play this game anymore. You know? I mean, the, seriously. You don't really realize until you go through it yourself what that person is going through. And what the exercise I put you through is 15 minutes. They're stuck with it from the day they're diagnosed, and there's no hope of it getting better. Nothing's going to make it better. It's just going to get worse. So they need your love and kindness to help them through all of this. So that leads me to another thing. We, all, we always want to channel energy 
instead of stopping the energy. Okay, so how can we create opportunities to redirect our actions and behaviors in a way that's going to help you and that person be able to fully express their thoughts and their feelings in a positive way. So what I mean by that is when you bring energy that is um, not kind, uh, when you're complaining about the person leaving the toilet seat up, when you're complaining about them eating with their fingers, um, you might complain about um, the fact that they're taking falls all the time or they don't dress themselves properly or whatever it is. When you make a comment about that, the elephant in the room again, that stops the energy, stops it. It just stops it for a minute. And then it swings the pendulum from happy to mad or sad and probably both, right, for everybody. So if you can take time to sort of stop and think about what you're saying and how you're saying it and just being a little more compassionate and kind about the way you tell somebody that something has upset you or you're trying to rush them out the door because you have to get to a doctor appointment and it appears an hour wasn't long enough to get them prepared and ready to go and you're irritated about it. You know, sometimes we just have to maybe cancel that appointment because, you know, I've said this a zillion times. You cannot win an argument with a person with Alzheimer's. You might win it with a person with Parkinson's, but you're only going to do it if you browbeat them. (laughs) Because with Parkinson's, most of the time, they have a little bit of control over their disease and they can give it as good as they got. But people with Alzheimer's really can't. They really can't. Right? So what are we going to do about all this? Well, we want to highlight the strengths that we have. Don't put a spotlight on the weaknesses. That's not helpful. So ask yourself, how can I help this person find ways to use their skills, be appreciated for their gifts, and not embarrassed by what has become difficult? Can we do that? Can we not spotlight the weaknesses? Can we shift to highlighting the strengths and the good things that they can do? And the fact that they can come in the kitchen at all and sit and talk with you or maybe put a teaspoon of, of basil in the, in the uh, recipe that you were making or something like that. Can we be happy that they're still walking around and we're not having to use a walker or a wheelchair in our homes? Um, can we be happy that they were trying to look for something in the kitchen and that's why they left all the cupboards open? They didn't mean to. They just simply forgot. Can we appreciate the fact that maybe they will go for a walk for with us but not focus on how short of time the walk is? People, 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 people. This is, this is the problem of most everybody as we are working through all this. 
And sometimes slowing down is the fastest way to get things done. Slow the process. Try to not push everything to the nth degree. Don't try to rush everything. It will get you nowhere faster than anything. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So much to talk about today. So much. But we're going to take a short break, listen to a word about my company, and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. All right, so I'm talking about how we can manage our emotions a little bit better, recognize that elephant that's in the room, don't be so angry about having to care for somebody. I mean, you know, I guess you could just go take a nap if you wanted to, to, just to get a break from it all, right? (laughs) You, You could encourage somebody to do activities, But I'm telling you, I've learned the hard way that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. No matter whether you have a diagnosis or you are the care partner, you have to make a conscious decision how you want to be in the process. You have to try to decide how to, you know, be more encouraging, how to be kind again, how to be loving with that person. You can love that person, but loving them and being loving to them is a completely different thing, right? And and the truth of the matter is, oftentimes the caregiver themselves can have more challenges with their own health right? And and you want somebody to help you with your needs. And, and you need to feel supported and you need to feel cared for. And there isn't anybody in sight that's going to do that, right? Yeah. I mean, you just feel like, where are all your friends? Where'd they go? Where did they go? Well, sometimes we just have to do it ourselves. 
Sometimes we just have to get there on our own. Let go of having to fix everything. Let go of needing to be the end all. There are too many ways that these diseases can complicate your lives. And if you can try to be more encouraging, I I tell you, you're going to find that the person that you are working with is going to be staying on track a little bit better. They might have clearer thinking. They might remember names of people and and time without you having to cue them, right? Their humor might start to bubble up. Um, they might become, you know, sort of teasing and fun and happy again a little bit. They might be able to do a better job on on, you know, cleaning the dishes off or helping with dinner or something like that. They might be able to do the shaving and the dressing and and the things that that you were doing for them that you thought that they needed so much, but you could actually go out for that morning walk and they can do it themselves to a degree. And if they and if they don't button everything right, who the hell cares? Just be happy that they dressed on their own and you didn't have to do it for a day. I mean, seriously. You know, I mean, the th- the thing is, we're going to have our mood swings. We're going to have our critical moments, you know, where things aren't going right. But if you can look for something good in the day, if you can can find activities on your own. Um, you know, if you can do a few things just for yourself, make your own lunch. That person can make their own lunch, right? If you don't do that, you get in a situation where you're angry a lot, you're yelling at people, your patience is zero, And what we want to do is make that less frequent and less intense. You have to kind of detangle yourselves and and allow for more healthy mental space between you and the person with the diagnosis. Okay? Sometimes you need a team of people to help you with stuff like that. But a lot of the times it's just... Just the the ability to create an opportunity for healing in your house, for f- letting that person know that you love them, to try to bring happiness to each day so that so that not only you but the person with the diagnosis is more engaged, even for a short period of time, you know. Even if it's just for a short period of time, at least it's worth the struggle, right? Because ultimately, whatever the dementia is, isn't going to be cured. But the way it has progressed for the person can be, I'm just going to say it, strongly altered for the good by the change of the dynamics in the household. There's no doubt about it that when we are losing that intimate conversation, that 
intellectual speech that was so comfortable, right? That That is painful. That is hard to accept. It's hard to to um, want to even continue down that path. I get it. I get it. You know, and you can have a chain of events that happens every time you get ready to leave the house. You can have, you can have sort of that emotional breakdown that will occur sometimes when you just feel like you're so locked in and just cannot find a way out. But there is a way out. There is a way out. You've got to just look for it. You've got to look for it. If you don't, you know, what are you gonna what are you gonna say to yourself? Don't make me responsible for anybody else. Take care of me. Somebody take care of it all. I can't cope. I can't cope with this. Do you never have a moment of laughter? Do you never have that moment of joy? You know, that person that's going to swoop in that you think is going to take over for everything probably is just going to disappoint you. So, you know, you got to think about stuff like that. You got to think about stuff like that. Because if you're feeling that way, your person is depressed. You're depressed. That person is depressed. I was talking about that. And you're going to see more anger. You're going to see more yelling. Um, You know? But when you can use softer, gentler language with somebody, when you can let things go that truly are not important, that, you know, just just get to a point where you realize you can't solve everything. So let it go. Let it go. You're not going to change the disease itself. But what you can change is your attitude and bring a brighter atmosphere and, and you know, energy to the room that can make everybody feel a little bit better. Because I'll tell you what, when I do in-home assessments and I find somebody that is deeply depressed or filled with anxiety or deeply saddened, you know, I often find that by the time I leave, they are feeling like they can communicate better, that they feel like they're understood. You can do that too. You can do that too. Just say to yourself, you know, how is what I just said going to affect the person I'm talking to? This isn't even about somebody with dementia, honestly. This is just people interacting with other people. Be thoughtful about what you say to others. I guess it falls into that do unto others, you know, category. It, it's, it really is more of a, a lifestyle. It's a, it's a way to live. It's, you know, how, how do you unravel years and years of entanglements? How do you give yourself permission to let it go or see things in a new light or act in a different way? What's the karmic between you and your person? What is it? 
What is what is it between the two of you? If if you're struggling with how to bring positive energy, I guarantee you the negative energy will cave in on you. It will. And and it will make it more difficult for you. You're you're caving in on yourself, right? And then you can't see anything beyond yourself. Everything suddenly becomes more about you. And if you don't like yourself, you can't like the other person that you're with. You can't. You just cannot. And and the person that has a diagnosis will follow your moods and will 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 mirror back to you what you're giving. So I'm just going to ask you, to what degree are we responsible for our own lives and our own happiness within a marriage? Right? Where do we end up? Uh, you know? I mean, if you get to a place that will allow you to move on and be free of the trials and tribulations of your own body, of your own mental health and well-being, how beautiful could that be? How beautiful could that be? You know, I think it's kind of crazy, but I think for a person with dementia, especially Alzheimer's, but I think in some ways when they get to a certain point, it can be a healing process. And I think it can be a freeing process from somebody that is a dispirited person, a dispirited being. I think, I think some ways it allows that person to let go a little bit and not think so much on a day-to-day basis of how everything is is affecting them and um, how things can be so difficult and and allow them to just kind of let go. And I hope that some of you can do that too. You know, I think to a degree it's a it's a about spiritual and emotional development. I do. I think that it's. Um, I think it's about having a different model of humanity going on in your mind and looking at life in a different way. Not not that, you know, it's it's just bogging me down. It's all horrible. It's all all this or that. Turn those negatives into positives. How can you look at life in a better way and think that maybe you can move through this? You can find ways to find respite. You can find ways to get some time for yourself. You can find ways to love again. You know? I mean, there's there's one thing 
that you really have to think about, and and that is, is it is it love if you go every day to a care community to vi- visit someone, or is it a task? Is it love to help someone get dressed, or is it a task? Is understanding that nothing is going to be the same again going to mean that it has to be bad? Or can we adjust to the change? Um, What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because there are avenues that you can go down that will not serve you well, that will cause you more pain and heartache. Sometimes we have to stop and live in the moment. We need to live in the moment and not feel like every single moment has to be about solving a problem or being the mama or papa bear or having everything be perfect. I I don't know that there is any such thing as perfect in this world, in our world. And I don't even think that has to do just with people with some type of dementia. I mean, if you're expecting the world to be perfect, there are plenty of ways that um, it can disappoint you. So what I, I guess what I really want you to think about today is understanding and acceptance of the fact that the dynamic between couples has changed. Hold on to what you can. Hugs, kisses, cuddling in bed, watching TV together, fixing food together, you know, helping them with the shower, things like that are so much easier if you don't think of them as a task. If if you think of them as a loving moment, a helping moment, a healthy moment, a moment of compassion and care and generosity. And if you're not using those words, if you're not in that mindset then you need to rethink why you're there and talk with your person and find out uh, what they need, uh, what they need from you and open lines of communication that get you there because it's a miserable freaking way to live when you are just angry. It just isn't healthy. It just isn't good, and it makes the person with the diagnosis feel exactly what they never wanted to feel, and that is that they are a burden. I hate to say this, but I'm going to. If you are nitpicking, if you are speaking rudely to your person, 
if you are not opening lines of communication with them and you think that that the role of being a caregiver is burdensome, then by all means, move on to something else, go somewhere else, get a divorce, whatever it is you need to do. But if you think staying in that situation benefits that person, to you I say, what a shame. Because toxic negative energy benefits no one. No one. So let's try harder to get back to that place of acceptance, of not thinking it's so much of a sacrifice. Be sad. Be sad if you need to. Move through the stages of grief if you need to, to get to where you can be that good person who is showing the love and kindness to the person that you married and and love um, as you hope that they would show to you if they were the ones that were caring for you. Again, I think this is where where people gain the understanding and acceptance is when you do some type of a virtual reality exercise and you have to go through it yourself. I swear to you, it's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And it will help you to get back to where you need to be a loving, thoughtful friend and companion to the person with the diagnosis. Let go of the word caregiver. Just let go of it all together. Okay? Well, I have belaggered this enough. If some of you see yourself or hear bits of pieces of this that sound like you, then I hope that it um, gives you what you need to start changing your attitude and your approach to something better that is uh, healthier and more thoughtful and um, clear than maybe before you listen to this podcast today. All right, folks, I will see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lawrence. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.